This segment of Off the Hosel is powered by SaskGolfer.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 8 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Koser, and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by my brother, Troy Koser. Thanks for coming on today. Hey Drew, how you doing pal? Not too bad man, just uh, notice how absolutely it's disgustingly windy outside today, but uh, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, it's, it's a good day if you're playing downwind on a par 5, you can bomb it out there. That is true, that is true. Um, for people that don't know, uh, I brought my brother on today. He's he's been doing a ton of uh, legwork behind the scenes, uh, via Facebook, Twitter. Uh, he's helping me out a lot there, so uh, I applaud him for that. Thanks a lot, there, T. Roy. Hey, yeah, no problem, there, Drister. I'm glad I can be on board, give me a hand with this awesome podcast you've been rocking. So thanks. Also, uh, for people that don't know, my brother uh, on April 4th of last year uh, was diagnosed. Uh, with stage three C melanoma, uh, and I believe you're on remission now, Troy. If you want to touch on that for us. Uh, yeah, I found out uh, a few weeks ago that I'm currently cancer-free. Knock on wood. Went through multiple surgeries, six weeks of radiation. Uh, I got to continue treatment through August, but uh, for now, I'm I'm out of the woods. I hope and. Yeah, that's that's my story. This this podcast again helping you is keeping my mind busy, not working, especially with the social distancing that uh, everyone's been doing. So, what have you been doing for social distancing there, bro? Uh, you know, I mean, to be honest, I mean, just trying to stay, uh, well, stay home and and stay away from uh, everyone else outside, kind of thing. And uh, I mean, this is a serious thing right now. I mean, the um, this the whole world wouldn't be on lockdown if um, they didn't have to be. So. I hope everyone's doing their part. I mean, I'm just chilling out, doing this, a lot of editing, a lot of recording, and uh, probably phoning you and and my uh, my bench boss out in Palo Butte there. Uh, way too much, but uh, two good people to talk to you, you and him. So that's what I'm doing. And I mean, you. I mean, what are you up to right now? Well, I've been watching a lot of replays on the Golf Channel, uh, trying to work on my mechanics, which I know you've golfed with me in the past, and I could use a lot of work. Uh, aside from that, that well, you know, I, I guess that was one nice thing about being off last summer. I got 63 rounds in and hadn't done that since I was probably 18, so 20 <laughs> plus years ago. But for, for my social distancing, I've been, you know, working with you, trying to get this thing going, and it's going well. You know, we got the Twitter page, at underscore off the hosel, and Facebook also, off the hosel page. And I don't know if our viewers have seen but we have that contest running right now, you know, like, share, tag, and there's that opportunity to win $120 detailing package from our friends at Auto Extreme and Fast Track. So hopefully uh, everyone's getting on board with that. Do the draw on Monday, and uh, one lucky person's going to have a clean, sanitized vehicle. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, definitely, I mean, we, we're launching this Friday. So, I mean, yeah, so we launched it, what is it, Wednesday is when we recorded this, but we're launching it Friday, so you still have uh, two days to um... – Get your likes, retweet, uh, retweets, and shares, and, and tag your friends. I don't know what the hell I just said there. Just fumbled my words. So, um, yeah, it sounded pretty good to me. <laughs> Man, I wanted to ask uh, a little bit of our podcast so far. I mean, like some of your favorite episodes and, and interviews. Um, just you want to touch on those at all? Uh, yeah. The, so the the last two, of, well, actually, the last year was good. I liked I liked golf sask with Brian Lee. It was it was. Uh, insightful for a guy like me that's not an amateur golfer so i learned a lot off that me too uh, when i asked about the handicap thing sorry i was like the handicap i have no idea what that was even talking about but i mean i learned a lot though in that hour so sorry it was it was it was a good interview i like i said i, I learned a lot from that not being an amateur golfer i'm just the old whack fucker pardon my french but we're explicit uh <laughs> mcnall's sean's really good interview uh i've known sean for a long time played a lot of hockey with him back at the adult safe hockey league at the old twin arenas the thirsty penguin uh we uh we've known each other for a long time so i knew he was going to be in a great interview good speaker funny guy um you know it, it's kind of nice to hear a story where he had some issues clean them up 
took some time off focused on golf and, and, and is doing very well with that. And then the other part of that interview that I really liked was when he cut you off mid, mid sentence and said, Drew, are you, are you cooking bacon in the background? <laughs> and, and I laughed because I know from episodes one to now eight that we're recording, the audio has come unbelievably better. You know, it, yeah. was, it was really staticky. What you said after two is funny when he's like, uh, or is that, the, or is that this podcast just heating up? <laughs> well, and I, I think that's what it is, but you know, that's Sean. He's always got a, he's always got a couple words to throw in at the end of a, of a sentence or a line that'll make a person laugh. So, yeah. You know, Sean's, Sean's was really good. Benny Hebert's was really good. Uh, two, two notes I wrote down about his podcast that I thought were, you know, again, Ben being a curler, but also being a golfer when he's not curling, he had a lot of good stories, courses he's played, guys he's got to golf with. I, I thought the uh, the guys' trip down to Arizona, I believe it was, for the golf trip and found out he had to replace Mike Medano. I, I thought that was That's a tough one. Well, it's Mike Medano, you know, <laughs> USA top NHL player, and here comes the old rock tosser himself, Benny, to <laughs> you know, fill in. So. Yeah, that's definitely a tough, uh, tough shoes to fill for sure. But um, Benny's and definitely then, a good time. Then, yeah, the the other thing I thought was really funny. You know, he's he's playing at the Royal. He's rounding seven because I know you got to go to the clubhouse after seven. Yeah. Four. So for people that don't know, you play seven and you run through the clubhouse, trying to then around it, and then you play eight and nine. Um, that's kind of how the Royal works. But go back to your story. Yeah. No, he rounds seven and he he doesn't have his Scotty Cameron putter no more because it uh, got broken. You know. <laughs> I, I've lost a few clubs in the creek, but never broken a putter. But I, you know, expensive round, right? And five hundred. Yeah, five hundo, five hundo. But uh, speaking of putters, you know Ben Hebert. There, did you know that Brownies Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom fitters, using Flight Scope and GC Quad technology, Brownies Golf Shop will give you the high performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Strixon, all at the best prices. Brownies Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. Wow, that was pretty good. On the spot. Then, not not bad for a live ad, eh? <laughs> well, I mean, when I did my first one with Benny, yes, you grilled me one time, so uh, I'm no longer doing live ad reads uh, until... Uh, I figured it out. Um, updates. I wanted to touch on a few here. Um, I just got in from actually Golf Canada on my email. Uh, Spring Open qualifiers uh, postponed. Uh, Spring Open and Beacons Field Golf Club, May 29th, postponed. The Assinet Optimist Classic, Glendale Golf Club, canceled. Um, course ratings postponed and World Handicap System seminars postponed. Uh, on a positive note, a little bit, um, well, some golf courses in Kamloops are reopening Wednesday and no sooner than April 15th. So that's, I mean, now I don't know. I, I don't know how this is all working out. Like, what are the rules? And I mean, I know that they follow some strict guidelines by playing golf and whatnot, but um, maybe you know a little more than I do, Troy. Well, I don't know more than you do, but I mean, I've got a few suggestions for golf clubs and golf courses, but I mean, you could, the, the social distancing, no more than groups of five. Well, how many guys golf in a group of five? Four. Not many, unless one guy's a little slow, right? It's always four. So, I mean, open the courses, throw up a wicked window there, pay your fees and get on the course, go swing the clubs. But you know what? You, you and myself, we're not government people, so... Hopefully not going to lie, though. I want to play, too, as, as much as you do, too, and everyone listening, I'm sure. Well, like I said, my backyard's got a bunch of divots for me using the old 60 degrees, so I'm <laughs> still swinging. Uh, moving on to a little bit more news here. As uh, Golf Digest reported last week, uh, the British Open is canceled and formally expected today. Other announcements as well. The tour will be uh, begin mid-June with no fans at the Memorial. Uh, PGA Championship, August 6th. Ryder Cup, September 25th. U.S. Open September 17th, and the Masters has moved now to November. Uh, I don't know, good news, bad news? What do you, what's your take? Well, I think it's good news. It's it's a step in the right direction. I mean, Augusta Augusta in April, Augusta in November, I, I think the course is going to look the same. 
It's going <laughs> to yeah, feel the same. No kidding. Um, I mean, hey, it, get, it, it gives us some light at the end of the tunnel, right? Us golf fans got something to look forward to. Maybe I'm stupid. I've, like... been watching, I, I've been watching the Golden Bear Jack Nicholas here for the last few days, make putts from 1976 and getting excited. So <laughs> Maybe I'm dumb. I don't know. Like, w- would it be cold in November there or no? Am I stupid? I wouldn't say you're stupid, but, you know, your geography is a little off. Is it hot there the whole time? Yeah, it's not hot, but it's still, it's it's not Saskatchewan in November, that's for sure. Okay, okay, good, good. Uh, Man, before we uh, send it off to the interview here, do you want to, I mean, we got on a big guest today. Do you want to mention who it is, or do you want me to do it? I think I'm going to let you uh, ride this pony. Okay, so... Had a great uh, interview with this man. Um, absolute beauty. He's uh, he's a really funny dude. He's super super nice, and I really appreciated uh, Graham um, coming on and and giving his time. As everyone saw the the announcement and the label today that uh, Graham Delette is uh, on the podcast. Yeah, that's yeah, a big one. It's a big one. You know, not even ten episodes in, and we land the big fish himself. So. Yeah, and KFC buffet, Mr. <laughs> Prairie Bar, Graham Gillette. Yeah, it's pretty excited. I I I was just um, it was super fun to do. It was a good record. We had a lot of fun, and you know, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I hope everyone enjoys this interview because it's a really good interview. Uh, I wanted to ask too. I mean, also, um, do you want the questions on Facebook, there, Troy? If if we're gonna get questions out of the gallery. Questions from the gallery. I love that segment that you started up. Yeah, you know, whether you want to comment on a post, if if, if you see who we're gonna have on. Oh, sorry, I didn't I tell that. Mind. You didn't tell them that. No, no. It, I mean, if you, if if you're gonna post a picture, or I'm gonna post a picture, who's gonna be on the next episode? If you want to comment for questions, direct message me. That's fine. Same with Twitter. You can direct message. Put it right on the Twitter site. Um, I know there'll be a lot of questions for certain guests. We can't get to them all. We'd love to. Yeah, it's about a 15-minute segment, we'll say. Yeah, so go ahead. Fire those questions off, and we'll take the best ones. Ask our guests, and hopefully um, get some good stories. answers you guys want to hear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's like the reason why I kind of want to start that little segment there, just because, you know, uh, it actually gets the guests to open up quite a bit, actually. I mean, I noticed already uh, doing it with a few guests, and they were just super, like, they weren't really focused on like their career or like, or exactly what the question was. I mean, I mean, they just kind of opened up and had some fun with it. So uh, that, that segment's for you guys. So yeah, like Troy said, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and like, we, we, we can't do them all. So we'll try to, and we'll try I'm to get a picture. Plug it again. I'm going to plug it again, Drew. So Twitter page is at underscore off the hosel and the Facebook page is off the hosel. Perfect. I don't even think I knew that. So, um, thanks, Troy, and I think uh, you're ready to send it off to Graham here. I can't wait. Let's get her done. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoy. Westside Pizza, the name you need to know. We offer you more than just great pizza. We have fantastic food combos and delicious selections. We offer online services, which include paying online and curbside delivery to ensure your safety and the safety of our staff during this time. So check us out online at www.westsidepizza.ca or give us a call at 306-949-1090 for all your takeout and delivery needs. Westside Pizza, always here to help your hunger. All right. Graham, how are you doing? Good, man. Good. Uh, thanks for joining this podcast, man. I really uh, I really appreciate taking the time to do this. Yeah, you bet, man. Happy so, um, uh, first off, uh, where are you right now, and uh, what are you up to? Well, like everyone else, it's uh, we're just been mostly just in the house. I'm in Boise, Idaho, at my house, well, Eagle, Idaho, technically, but um, yeah, it's it's a crazy time, obviously, and uh, we're just you know trying to stay stay safe, playing a lot with the kids, getting stuff done around the house, and trying to not be <laughs> completely bored every day. For sure. So yeah, I mean, like you mentioned obviously like tough times during the COVID nineteen. Um, like how as a professional athlete, are you, uh, like staying in shape or, I mean, are you, I mean, obviously you have kids and a family, um, you're not getting bored though. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think we all kind of are, but, uh, yeah, I do, uh, I work, do like home workouts about four or five days a week. And then I'm on the Peloton like six or seven days a week, five, six, maybe take a day off here and there. And then, uh, then it's just trying to. <laughs> find things to do with the kids to keep them from being bored more than anything they're obviously more important um than 
I am, uh, you know, to me. So just trying to figure out things, fun little games and activities for them to do. Luckily, the weather's been pretty nice down here, so we've been able to be outside. We got a you know nice big backyard so the kids can play around and trampoline and that kind of thing. So trying to stay busy. Nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, I want to backtrack a little bit here. Um, where you grew up and got started, I mean, like you're, you're from Weyburn, Saskatchewan and everyone down here that's super excited to listen to this one. will know that, uh, I mean, I'm down there all the time. I think I lost you. Are you there? Yeah. You there? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just want to talk, uh, talk about, um, you're from Weyburn and what was that like growing up in uh, Weyburn, Saskatchewan? Yeah, obviously, you know, it's, it was a great place to grow up. Um, you know, it was a pretty tightly knit community. Um, we, uh, you know, played, ho- I basically played hockey six months a year and golf six months a year. And, uh, you know, Wayburn Golf Club is where I learned to play. And this always has a special place in my heart. And, um, you know, a lot of people ask me over the years or whatever, like, how do you become a professional golfer out of Wayburn, Saskatchewan? And it's kind of funny, like, I feel like, one of the reasons or, you know, one of the strengths of my game was always to play in the wind and, um, you know, to hit golf shots, you know, and you have to do that around Weymouth, the tiny little greens and, uh, you know, the wind that we play in every single day. So you're kind of like a product of your own environment. And uh, I don't know if it would have been different if I was, you know, raised at a country club or anything like that, but uh, obviously that it worked out well for me and it's, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I love Weyburn. It's my hometown and always will be. So, I mean, uh, uh, receiving a college scholarship, I mean, how was that experience? I mean, for, especially for the young listeners listening to this one. Yeah. You know, back in those times it was different because, uh, you know, it was like internet was kind of sort of just getting started and <laughs> we literally, you know, wrote letters to schools and then we ended up hiring, uh, like a, um, it was called caps college athletic placement services it was a, group out of san diego where basically he then sent resumes to coaches and kind of was like uh you know the broker in between sort of sort of speak and uh he ended up uh you know i I had a few offers none of them were very good none of them from any big schools by any means um but uh boise state was the best financial fit and it was uh you know geographically it was the closest to home and had still decent uh winters you know it wasn't like we were playing golf 12 months a year in sunshine, but uh, it was much better than the winters that I grew up in. So that's kind of how I landed in at Boise state. Uh, long story short. So, I mean, for every kid playing hockey in Southern Saskatchewan, we know Weyburn's claim to fame is the uh, all you can eat KFC buffet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jay and Dan made that, made that pretty famous. <laughs> <laughs> you must've indulged in that a bit. Hey, yeah, we crushed a few of those at lunchtime. We were more of uh, you know, during high school, we when I remember like, uh, I'm trying to think how old we would have been, maybe 15, 14, 16. I think we were driving, but uh, in Subway open, that was a big deal. But we were always still McDonald's guys, uh, you know, most of the time at lunchtime from the comp, we would run over to McDonald's at lunch. And I look back and all the crap that I put in my body, it's amazing that I'm still alive. <laughs> they, have, they, have, they have BPs now, hey? So, oh, is that right? Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I knew that. I haven't, I haven't been. I actually haven't been in Wayburn for a long time. All my family now lives up in like, Saskatoon, Tisdale, Warman, Outlook. So when I do get home, which is, you know, only two, three times a year, really. And it's always so jam packed and, you know, you obviously want to see your family. So I haven't been to Weyburn now, probably in probably eight years or something like that. So I need to kind of try to make a trip down there. For sure. So I was talking to uh, hot rod Carroll, uh, the former <laughs> pro at the Weyburn golf club. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he kind of mentioned, um, you were just so naturally gifted and you were a phenomenal junior. Um, you had a high focus on hockey at the time. Was there ever a time where you thought maybe hockey would be an avenue for yourself? I, I always just wanted to play hockey because that was kind of always my first love. And um, I, uh, you know, I was a decent hockey player, but you know, looking back, it was, it probably, it, it was a blessing obviously that I ended up going the golf rope because I would have fallen <laughs> through the cracks and, in hockey obviously i mean i didn't really have the physique for it at the time as a young kid i was pretty skinny throughout high school and um anyways it obviously worked out worked out well but just like any kid growing up in canada i always wanted to be a hockey player first and i was you know i've I've gotten to know a lot of 
uh, NHLers or ex NHLers mostly like Jared, Jared Stoll and whatever. I remember talking to him one time and he's like, man, he's like, you got the best job. I'd do anything to be a professional golfer. And I'm like, <laughs> man, you living in LA and like you're playing for the Kings. Like, are you kidding me? So the, it's always, you always want something that you don't have, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it, it worked out well for me, but I'd still, uh, I'd, I'd probably trade it all for an NHL career. Yeah, he also mentioned uh, the harder the course was, uh, the better you were. I mean, he said when you hit the golf ball, how pure the sound was coming off. I mean, like, do you want to elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, I feel like even like in my professional career, like the courses that I've done well at throughout the years, um, you know, Torrey is one that really comes to mind. It's probably the hardest golf course on tour. That those type of golf courses where you have to shoot six, seven, eight under to win. Uh, you know, yeah. through four rounds opposed to like 22 under, they always were better for me. Um, you know, it's the, you can't fake it around tough golf courses with, uh, you know, golf courses, say like Palm Springs or whatever that are easy and there's no rough and you can kind of spray it everywhere. And, uh, you know, guys, it's, it's becomes more of a putting contest and that's obviously not my game. My strength has always <laughs> been the, you know, the actual striking. So, um, and you, you kind of figure that out throughout your career, like your rookie year out on tour, you pretty much play everything because you, yeah, you, know, you it, plus it's at that time, you're so excited. You've been playing mini tours. You know, for me, I played mini tours for three years and I finally got on tour and there's five, $6 million purses every year. Well, I wasn't going to stay at home while, you know, guys are winning $900,000 every single week. So I played pretty much every week, my rookie year. And then you kind of realize that, um, you know, you can burn yourself out mentally and physically and that there's some courses that just don't suit your game and you're better off just taking the week off and resting and preparing for, uh, you know, golf courses that are better suited for yourself. Uh, I just want to touch on some uh, Saskatchewan, bro. I mean, I wanted to ask, I mean, were you, were you always so dominant on the Saskatchewan circuit? Um, like how were some of those men's amateurs you played in and, and some of those teams? You know, no, I, the, answer really is no I wasn't really dominant I mean like um you know I won here and there my fair share I guess but uh you know I I remember like down in southern Saskatchewan Nolan Rohatton was from Estevan and we always had battles kind of growing up and uh we played pretty much every single tournament together and uh there's Justin Kowalik and Kent Eager was a really good player Lindsey Bernikevich and uh you know I was kind of just in the middle of the pack of sort of the top three or four players in the province and then I didn't really kind of start excelling probably until I went down to Boise state and came back the summer when I would have been 19. And that's kind of when I feel like my game kind of went to a new level. I thought when I came down to the U S on a scholarship that I was going to just kind of fall through the cracks, same thing. And um, just kind of get speed bagged by all the Americans. I didn't really know what to expect in all honesty. And I came down and I had a successful freshman year, played every event. And I think that just gave me the confidence that I needed to know that, uh, you know, I could, play at a different level than uh i had been for the past couple of years and uh from there then i kind of started to you know become a, a better player and then not just on the provincial scene but on the national level but um yeah the wellington cups were fun like we got to uh, you're on four I, teams right or yeah i believe so yeah and then a few junior teams and i mean we got to i got to play some with some good buddies of mine, Lee Fairburn. We were out in uh, Nova Scotia <laughs> together. We had a blast out there. None of us really played all that well. Um, yeah. The uh, I played well at a couple. One was in Quebec and one was in Mississauga. I probably think the last turn before I turned pro. Um, but, uh, yeah, good memories, man, wearing those terrible green, uh, <laughs> <laughs> green blazers and uh yeah i was uh definitely good times and i still have all the pictures kind of piled away in the office here so every once in a while i'll get a glance at uh my terrible hair and how skinny i was and <laughs> some old faces um so yeah i mean we talked about the willing cup and three junior teams i mean uh like once you learned and, and you kind of found a way to get over that hump and get on a team or and win um like when did you kind of realize i mean obviously you talked about at college um like hey maybe th like, this could be a job for like for you yeah, I think it was after my freshman year uh, at Boise State. Like I had, I loved golf, and I played every single day at home during the summer. Um, probably to the point where Roddy Carroll and all those people were getting sick of seeing my face out there. Because uh, <laughs> I basically lived out there all summer long from when I was thirteen through eighteen or whatever. But um, 
I never really practiced. I played every single day because I love to play, and it was usually 36 holes a day. Um, and when I went to university, that's when I actually started to practice, and I think that's kind of what took my game just sort of to a different level because, uh, you know, you start refining things. But uh, after my freshman year, that's when I was like, maybe if I can keep improving at this rate, this is something that I could do um, to make a living. Cause I was in school to get a physical education degree. And it's not something that I really anticipated <laughs> doing for the rest of my life, even though I do love PE, but I was just kind of in it for trying to pick the, you know, a, a kind of a fun uh, yeah. <laughs> way to get through college and maybe something a little bit easier because I wasn't ever, wasn't that I was a bad student. I just wasn't really a driven student. You know what I mean? <laughs> For sure, yeah. I hate school, so I mean we're on the same page there. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask. I mean, so I hear you're an avid golfer, or sorry, an avid uh, fisherman. Um, uh, where's your favorite place to fish besides uh, Nickel Lake? <laughs> <laughs> we actually did an unreal trip up to uh, northern Saskatchewan to fly in from. We drove up to Fort Capel or uh, to uh, uh, what's north of PA? There, my mind just went blank. Um, Lost. Yeah. And flew out of there and uh, to a place called Burbage Lake. A friend of mine uh, from Regina owns this lake and this cabin up there. And there was like 10 or 12 of us went up there. It was the most epic boys trip of all time. Uh, we actually had a black bear that was in run, running around the campsite or the um, cabin while we were up there. And the fishing was unbelievable. Mostly pike and lake trout. There was no walleye in that lake. But uh, that was I have to make another trip to Northern Saskatchewan and do that. I've been to Alaska a couple of times for salmon fishing, which is amazing. My wife's uh, father lives in the San Juan Islands, which is kind of right between Vancouver and Victoria. There's a little group of islands on the U S side. And uh, we do some salmon fishing there with him too, which is unreal. And uh, yeah, I, I do love to fish. I would, it's kind of been on hold since I've, uh, become a father because uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I spend so much time with the golf course and practicing and traveling that when I am home now, it's kind of, you know, they're more important than going fishing. But, uh, you know, my son's now, oh, and my daughter, I guess, are at the age where, you know, we can start to go and do that together, which is uh, pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, um, uh, other sports that you like to get out and watch? I mean, I, I know you're a big hockey guy. Uh, also, uh, your friend uh, Jeff Will also mentioned you, him, and Colton Nose went to the Kentucky Derby. How was that? <laughs> that was a trip. That's the <laughs> ultimate trip, and that's that's the ultimate uh, couples trip, really. Like, if you're looking for something to do with your wife or anything like that, and um, you got to kind of be prepared because it's it'll knock your <laughs> checkbook down quite a bit. <laughs> but uh, what a what a trip that was and you, you dress in ridiculous clothes and you kind of look like a clown but everyone's doing it so you just kind of embrace it but uh yeah that was fun obviously i try to when you know down in arizona i try to get to every time that the flames are down in arizona i go um or if like edmonton's there because he's watching mcdavid or pittsburgh's oh, yeah. in town go watch crosby like because they're just such special talents um and then college football, man, like uh, ever since I came down to Boise State, I came here at a perfect time because right when uh, we got here, is, or right when I got here in 2001 is when this program really kind of took off to, you know, just national relevance kind of year after year. And uh, so that's been fun. And I like to bet on college football a lot. So uh, I spend uh, Saturdays watching college football. And then Sundays watching NFL most of the time, unless obviously, hopefully I'm playing the weekends but yeah uh, it's, been, it's been a while so uh yeah so what's an atmosphere like a college football like game like i mean a stadium like what's that like well boise state is kind of still lacking like the tradition like i've never been to like an sec game like alabama florida georgia auburn anything like that but uh it's fun here i mean we go down to tailgate usually um the games here at night because uh, it falls in like the ESPN time slot, like 8.30 Eastern. So usually the games here start at like 6.30 or 7. So you head down there 12, 1 o'clock and, you know, everyone, you, you know enough people that have tailgate spots and they're cooking food and drinking beers and chucking the football around and that kind of thing. And then go inside, watch the first half. And the only problem with being a Boise State fan is that uh, we have a lot of mismatches here. So a lot of times we're up. <laughs> 
20, 30 points at halftime. And then uh, you just kind of end up just in at the tailgate for the entire second half and watching other games live that uh, are a little more relevant at the time. So, uh, but it's fun, man. And it's like, like I said, I've become a huge college football fan and uh, it's, it's kind of like a passion of mine now, actually. And I knew nothing about it before I came down here other than maybe like the odd, you know, Ohio state Michigan game that you'd see on ABC or whatever growing yeah. up. Um, so I also talked to you guys. I mean, I heard uh, Colt is the most liked guy on tour. Uh, I heard he's a prankster. Any stories? Is that self-proclaimed most liked guy on tour? Did he tell you that or <laughs> uh, your buddy Jeff? <laughs> he, uh, well, he's, he's probably referring to the time in uh, Hilton head. So this is kind of a bit of a long-winded story. I'll try to give you the quickest I can, but uh, no, Bryson right. DeChambeau had just turned pro. He, it was his first event. It was at Hilton Head, and he had just finished, played really well as an amateur at the Masters, turned pro the next week, and every all the locker rooms in, uh, on the PGA Tour are alphabetical, so he's D-E-C, I'm D-E-L, so we're always uh, you know neighbors in the locker room. <laughs> so it's his first event. He signs with Puma, and he's got like boxes and boxes of stuff, and I can't even open my locker. <laughs> Uh, so I told Colt because him and Colt both went to SMU, which is in Dallas. To they, they played golf there, and I was like, "Man, I can't believe this kid, this SMU, this Pony of Years. He keeps, he's got all this stuff. He's been pro for a minute, and he thinks he's running the locker room. Blah blah blah. Whatever, <laughs> just kind of joking around. And so, long story short, I'm kind of as the week goes on, there's more boxes, and I'm kind of complaining more to Colt, and we're out for supper, and I'm having a beer, and I'm just kind of I'm like, I can't believe this kid. So. So then on Saturday, um, I go into my locker in the morning before uh, eating lunch. And I was playing decent, too. I was, like, probably third or fourth to last group. And he was also playing really well. And so I get to my locker. And at, um, Hilton had, you know, they have that tartan jacket. So yeah. that tartan, um, whatever, it's like a plaid. And so he's got this goofy hat. But it's like this tartan Bryson DeChambeau hat and on it. <laughs> It's signed to Graham, best of luck in your career, Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> and all, and the only other thing before that is uh, Puma had asked me to tweet something him, welcoming him to the family. So the night before on Friday, so Cole texts me. He's like, nice tweet, welcoming Bryson. I was like, wow, man, you know, Puma asked me to do it, whatever. <laughs> so then the next morning, I got this hat in my locker signed by him. So I get out to the range and Colt, uh, he was also playing well. And we're both kind of warming up at the same time. I'm like, you wouldn't believe this, man. This, this kid left this sign hat for me. Like, this is a joke. And he, and <laughs> so anyways, and he's just kind of laughing. I go down, I'm hitting some balls and I walk back over to Colt. I'm like, I think someone's messing with me. Uh, yeah. For lack of better words. I don't know if this is an explicit thing. And, uh, <laughs> And he's like, he's like, oh yeah. And I'm like, you're fucking with me. And he just starts laughing. So he had had his caddy go buy this hat and message me. So, anyways, I still owe him one, but uh, I'm gonna get him back. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I want to ask about the the 62 you shot last summer at the City Club, and you parred both par fives. Uh, I honestly don't remember okay. uh, <laughs> exactly, but. Uh, it probably wasn't last summer. It was probably a couple summers ago, but uh, it's, that's possible, yeah. The reason why I asked, I mean, because I, I was told he shot a 29 in the back, nine in the willows, and I just want to know, how would our top golf courses in the province rate the courses down there? On tour? Tour, or just, I mean, like the courses that you play uh, every day? Uh, it, it, I mean, it depends. Like, I mean, like, m the majority of the tour courses that we play are really good, man. That's why the PGA Tour is playing them. You know, you can't really compare – many golf courses to pebble and tory and riviera and that kind of thing but uh um you know as far as difficulty uh they're a lot easier it's it's more the setup than anything and you see people come like online or on social media or whatever complaining how golf courses are too easy and this and that and like man it's the guys are so good and yeah. if they would torch like the city course and that kind of thing i mean like there it would be it would be a an all-time PJ tour record scoring hundred percent if they hosted a PJ tour event there because the guys are just too good. But um, anyways, what I said, the oh, courses are too easy and a lot of the times they are, but a lot of the times it's like, it doesn't matter. Like I've played on days where I've played well and you come in, shoot 72, you feel good about your round and somebody shoots eight under 
and you're having lunch and buddy beside he's like what the hell man he's like i played pretty good i shot one under i'm like i know i played good i shot even and some ran someone always shoots six seven eight under it doesn't matter how hard the golf course is and it's just because there's they're the guys are just good man and that's what yeah that's really all there is to it and um you know you give the best players in the world wedges on every hole and like i mean obviously the length of the golf course is in saskatchewan compared to what we play that's where it would really really um start to make a big difference but uh guys are good man like it's uh it's crazy that's a good segue into the pro life oh sorry there Um, no no you're good so you have a family i mean how uh how's it how's it like being a dad and as a professional athlete it was a change for sure. You know, the, the one thing, uh, especially with golf, um, because it's an individual sport, I feel um, that you have to be selfish, unfortunately, to make it to a high level. Like, you have to be the number one priority. You need a supporting group. Like, my wife was unbelievable. Even when I was struggling as a mini-tour player, um, you know, and not bringing any money home, and it was she was always supportive, and she knew that, if I wanted to make this, I had to keep grinding and keep, you know, doing what I had to do. And you do, you have to be the most important thing. And once, once you have children, all of a sudden that changes like overnight, you know, the first time you hold them in your hand, you realize that golf is nothing compared to, you know, having two little twin babies or whatever. So, um, you know, you're probably practicing a little bit less. You want to help out more. You feel guilty uh, for being away when you used to just, that's what you did and you didn't really think anything of it because you were kind of in that selfish mode or whatever it is and uh there is like a balance and uh you learn it as you go and uh you know we tried to uh my wife and i and the kids right when we had them we i think like two months in we were traveling basically full time with two babies and uh you know seven eight nine suitcases we got the train of luggage going through the airport and because we all wanted to be together as a family and yeah most of the time it worked and there was a few times there was you know, I, I had to just go get another hotel room in the, in the hotel. You know, we always had like two rooms and we, we'd usually get two rooms that were conjoining rooms, you know, with the thing, but the babies were crying and crying and crying. And you gotta, you know, you gotta get up at four 45 or whatever for a seven o'clock tea time or whatever it might be. And you know, it's like 12 o'clock and you're still not sleeping. So you go down and you get another room in the hotel and that kind of thing. So it adds a whole new level of complexity to the, um, but man, nobody would ever change it. You know what I mean? And no it's kidding, not, yeah. it's, and it's not really an excuse to not uh, be playing well, because there's a ton of guys who have families that are playing really, really good golf, but, uh, you just have to learn that the balance, you know, and it's, uh, it just takes a little bit of time. Um, so like, uh, day in the life of a pro golfer, like, I mean, I heard that you love to cook. So like, what's a pregame meal and some of those practice habits you're doing on a day-to-day basis, I guess, for a tournament. Well, when you're on the road, you're always eating out pretty much. They have uh, now really good food in all the uh, – when I first got on tour in 2010, like some of the food that we had in the clubhouse was like absolute shit, like in all honesty. <laughs> like like you can't believe that like professional athletes are eating this before you're going out on the ground really? for six hours. But, but that's changed a lot, and it's just a lot of guys. I think just the entire um, – game of golf has changed so much towards fitness and strength and nutrition and that kind of thing. So now there's always like smoothie bars and always healthy options and that kind of thing. But uh, like if I have a morning tea time, say it's seven o'clock, I'm always at the golf course two hours before. So I'm there at five. So do the math. You're getting up at four 30 um, yeah. there at five quick breakfast. Uh, and then at five 30, I'm in the gym for about half an hour for a warm up stretch uh, activation type thing, get, get the blood moving. And then on the range an hour before, you know, hit balls for 30 minutes, chip and putt for 15, 20 minutes. And then on the tee, and then, you know, it's a five hour round. So now you're at noon and then you have some lunch. And if it's a morning tea time, you're, if it's a Thursday, you're not teeing off until Friday afternoon. So you go practice for a little bit, go for a workout because you have time until Friday to, you know, recover. And all of a sudden it's, four o'clock and you've been out there for 12 hours and that's the one thing that people don't really realize and it's you know we're not i'm, I'm not complaining but we don't just go show up play 18 holes have a couple beers and eat. <laughs> yeah you know, like yeah it's 
it's a it is a full-time job it's a great job and none of us would ever complain about it but um there's more to it than what you just see on tv yeah Um, and and it honestly man it's changed so much just in the 10 years that i've been on tour um just like the wave of um new kids and athleticism and that kind of thing that's uh taken over the game and it's it's changed a lot yeah, no, that's uh, that's perfect, and that's kind of like the next question I want to ask was like, like how hard is it to compete on the PGA? Like, like what's an off day for a pro golfer, like score wise, and like, like how hard is it? Well, it's it's always funny. It's I'm you're probably I'm I'm sure that everyone else is like me when I'm looking at a leaderboard. I always look at you know how my buddies are doing, all like the guys that I've like starred as my yeah. favorites or whatever, and then you kind of scroll through the top like fifteen guys in leaderboard, and then you skip a hundred guys and who sues in dead last. Right. I mean, at least that's what I always do. And every single time that somebody shoots eight under somebody shoots eight over, you know, like it's just, it's, so it's hard to say what a bad day is. Like you can save a bad day with some good putting. You can um, have a bad day on the greens, but stripe it all day and shoot one under and you, but when everything's not going well, uh, that's when you're flirting with 80 and that's, that's always scary. And you know, when you're on like 14, 15 and you're six, seven over that <laughs> you can't drop any more shots because you don't want to see that eight in front of, front of the <laughs> second number yeah. on your card. So that's, uh, you know, you grind for to break 80 sometimes, or I have uh, as much as you grind to make a cut on late Friday afternoon, because you just don't want to shoot 80 ever. And I think I have once for sure in the PJ tour, maybe twice shot in the eighties, but uh it's all it's good, not, man. I've done it multiple times in my life. <laughs> it's never a proud moment, that's for sure. This segment of Off the Huzzle is brought to you by Brownies Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownies Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownies Golf Shop... High-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. Uh, but you just got to laugh it off. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I want to ask, I mean, with the resume you have, which is unbelievable, um, how are the Olympics and what was that like? And, I mean, and then we'll touch on the President's Cup after too. Yeah, the Olympics was really special, man. It was, uh, I've told this story before, but like, the thing that always that sticks out to me, um, we walked through the opening ceremonies, David and I, and we were actually lucky enough to be right at the front of the Canadian lineup. And um, while we were waiting outside um, to go into the arena and we were announced, um, the emotions that all the other athletes had, and like not that David and I weren't proud, but like if we didn't play well, we were going to Greensboro the next week for a seven and a half million dollar purse. It wasn't the end of the world. You know what I mean? For sure. But all these people who live in like government stipend, you know, 1200 bucks a month or whatever. And they've been grinding out for four years to make this team or, you know, to qualify for the Olympics or whatever sport that they're playing. And they've poured out so much of their sweat and tears into this. And this was the absolute top of the pyramid for them. And the emotions, like, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just, like, looking at <laughs> yeah, me like, too. The, the tears that, um, you know, big, massive, grown wrestlers were just bawling and hugging each other because it just meant really? so much, you know. So that's the that's the one thing that will always stand out. That and <laughs> uh, the uh, – in Rio, they had uh, – it was very incomplete, like, the Athletes Village, like, when I walked into my bathroom, there was like a black wire and a red wire where a light was supposed to be that wasn't even <laughs> taped or anything. Like it was, uh, it was, it was a different, uh, it, it wasn't really what I had expected, but uh, it was cool, man. And, uh, you know, spending that time with Dave, um, you know, made us closer. And it's, it's just something that uh, I'll always, always remember. So, I mean, like, um, actually, like, I mean, I think, you know, Dale and Ryan Valali, like my cousins. Yeah. Um, so actually Abraham just had the chance to play on, uh, play in the president's cup. Um, and obviously Dale was there. I wanted to ask, I mean, like, what is that like? Yeah, that was cool. As far as golf experiences, that was probably the number one personally for me. I mean, it was disappointing that we didn't win as a team that week, but, uh, uh, it was so much fun to be part of the team. Like, I mean, I grew up playing hockey 
and um, volleyball or other team sports. And like, once you get into individual sports, you kind of like forget that camaraderie yeah. and playing for each other and that kind of thing. And it just like sparked that in me and it was just so much fun. And that was one of the coolest um, experiences for me there was just kind of being part of that team. But um, yeah, the crowds were crazy. The nerves were unlike I've ever felt before. Like, uh, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to like American players and they're like, man, it's really nothing compared to the Ryder cup. But I think that's because there's more, I wouldn't call it hatred, but there's just, there's, it's just so much more competitive for sure. And you know, the inner, the internationals have just, you know, not had a great history in the, in the Ryder or in the president's cup um, for whatever reason, you know, like I think that part of, I think actually the biggest thing is that a lot of guys don't even really know each other. Like, uh, you know, you're from totally different parts of the world. Some don't even speak English. You're just different. And like, um, you know, with the, with the Europeans and the Ryder cup, like if you put it on paper, like they are never really that much better than the international team. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes the international team, as far as like average world golf rank and that kind of thing is better than the European Ryder cup team, but the Europeans come together so much as a team and um, they all play for each other and they're all buddies. They all, go for supper and drink wine together and that's i think that's like the biggest difference and it's like it shouldn't affect how you play when you know it's one-on-one in sunday singles but there's something about playing for other guys that really that they they get up for and i also think because they're always it's kind of a chip on the shoulder underdog or whatever and that they know that they can win and i think if the internationals can just get if if they could have got that win in melbourne um, it would have put another little spark under them. And I think that that's the only way that, it's, it, that it has to snowball somehow. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is to get a win. But uh, I mean, the first tee at that um, in Not Nearfield yet. village, it was, it was awesome. They had the, I don't know if you know, the fanatics, a bunch of guys from uh, um, Australia, they go to all these big Australian sporting events or whatever. And they had all the songs and they were kind of like the original, people who started the songs and now uh, everyone's kind of doing that but it was uh, that was that was a really fun week and i played some nice golf it was uh, it was cool I had some good buddies there and the party afterwards even though we lost was pretty epic <laughs> uh, almost missed a 3 30 p.m flight the next day so oh my <laughs> um so pga championship round three i believe you go on a stretch birdie eagle eagle birdie um minus six and four holes is that your best stretch that you can remember yeah for sure and the crazy thing about that was the hole that i made my first birdie on it was hanging over the lip for a hole in one i had like a one inch tap in so I almost went eagle 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 back yeah, to back to back because you banged one off the post right on 14 was that one yeah that's yeah. a drywall part four they had the <laughs> tee up actually it's a that's a cool hole it's when we play at quail hall that was at quail hollow when they play the tournament there um the wells fargo they always play that tee back but it was pretty cool for the pga and they put it up i don't think it was every day but at least two of the four days they put it up and it was just a smash kind of three wood or like a really kind of sauteed little cutty driver sort of thing that's kind of right in between but uh it was a cool hole it's, i like how the they uh they put that up but yeah that was a pretty fun stretch i can't remember who i was playing with but uh i so i'd gone birdie eagle eagle birdie or yeah or on so on 16 was my last birdie but i uh the pin was back in this top left little uh knoll that's almost impossible to get to i had like a six iron in and i absolutely flushed a shot right at the pin and it gets up to like six feet short of the hole maybe 10 feet short of the hole and then it trickles all the way back like oh. 40 feet i was like oh man but then i made this bomb so but then i actually made i the thing that i remember most about that because all of a sudden i was like in contention for the tournament you know like just yeah. like that like, and uh i'd missed the green on 17 and made a nice up and down and then uh i hit the green on 18 and that green to the front left pin is that putt is so fast i mean it's you've never seen anything so fast pretty much and i ran it about eight feet by knowing how fast it was and I made that comeback putt. But those last two pars were honestly as much of a momentum going into Sunday's round as the 604 holes because it really, like, kept me in. And I was almost as proud of that as I was of, like, the little run that I went on. And I played nicely on Sunday, um, but it was just kind of wasn't. I think I shot one or two under. Um, 
but it was crazy that week too. I couldn't even, I couldn't walk upstairs. My back was so jacked up. Oh. Uh, like when I was walking upstairs, I had to go like one at a time, like one foot up, the other foot. If I, I couldn't walk up hills, I kind of had to like, just like take little baby steps when I was walking Jeez. up hills. Didn't practice at all that week. Um, just, yeah, it was just one of those things. I don't know how. And I think sometimes when you're so hurt, you don't even really care or know where you're at or what you're doing. You just kind of just playing and you're just trying to get done as fast as you can. So you can get on the table and get your physio done for the day. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, and that was one of those weeks too, where I look back at it from where I'm at now. And I'm like, man, was it worth pushing my body through that? Because, um, you know, it was like two months later that I had really thrown my back out again and yeah. basically hardly played since. So, yeah, no, it's tough. I mean, but I was just, I was so impressed with that stretch. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, so I wanted to ask, uh, you're around with Tiger at the players. I mean, I don't know if you want to touch on that. Uh, how was that? And are you controlling your emotions up to that round? I mean, are you nervous or is it kind of just another golf round for you? Uh, I, I, I remember when I got the text for the parent, I was pretty excited, obviously, because I'd never played with them. And especially to do it a Saturday at the players and twosomes is pretty cool. Uh, it was funny. I had a good buddy of mine from Boise. He was down to watch. And so he got on his like website or whatever and uh, bet on me to beat Tiger by five. And it paid like, I don't know, 40 to one or something like that. <laughs> if Graham to let beat him by five. And so he had a tough day. Like uh, he made like a triple on number nine from like just beside the green and two, which is par five. He like flubbed a flop shot and then bladed one in the bunker. It was like oh. ugly. Anyway, so we get to 18 and I'm three up on him and I hit it down the fairway. And I remember Cody had told me that um, he had made this bet and Tiger hits it through the fairway into the uh, rough in the trees. And like at that time of year, they were playing it. Um, uh, later in the year in may and so it's it's not playing soft and mushy kind of like it is now how they play it but um so it's kind of like more dry and you get these flyers out of bermuda rough i don't know if you ever really play but you can't really work the ball because it just comes knuckling out yeah and he's he's in this rough in the trees and uh it looks from like i'm not, i'm just in the fairway i'm looking over it doesn't really look like he has anything and i'm like holy shit like if i make par or, or sorry, if I make birdie and he makes bogey, like Cody wins four grand or whatever it was. I'm like, <laughs> I got to do this for him. So Tiger hits this shot. There was left to right win, which kind of helps, but he starts it out over the water. And I'm like, oh, that's in the water. <laughs> and this thing cuts about 20 yards and lands in the middle of the green. And uh, I mean, like all the fans are going nuts. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, that's when I like, I looked at Jules. I'm like, how the fuck did he hit that <laughs> shot? Like you can't move a ball. out And like, everyone who's played with tiger especially guys who played with him a lot they say that like he hits shots that no one can do like i remember i played with ernie one year that this is kind of off track no no you're good i played with ernie at riviere and this is when spieth had first kind of really started playing nice golf and uh, i was like oh man like this jordan spieth's unreal he just looked at me he's like delete he's like you have no idea he's like he goes and Ernie was number two in the world to Tiger for so long. You know what I mean? If it wasn't for Tiger, like Ernie would have been the number one player in the world for probably like a three year stretch. And Ernie just looks at me, he goes, man, you have no idea. He goes, Jordan Spieth hits shots that everybody can hit. He just does them well. He goes, Tiger hits shots that nobody can hit. That's the difference. And I was like, yeah, okay. That's a good way to look at it. Anyways, Tiger made par. I made par. I beat him by three and Cody didn't get his four grand. <laughs> <laughs> um that's insane actually i was so you said he, he cut the ball how far out of the rough i it was probably about 20 yards and there was a wind helping but i mean if <laughs> anyone who knows hitting a shot out of bermuda rough it just jumps and knuckles like it just you can't put side spin on a ball in that it was it was amazing it was just one of but like, like i said everyone's got everyone who's played with tiger has that shot it's like man i saw him hit this shot you should have seen the <laughs> shot that he hit it wherever and it's like yeah that's why he's the best man uh man a few questions and then we'll uh and then i want to get to the gallery questions but um i wanted to ask if you're going to a match play event uh who would be your guy to partner with i mean i just want to know who you're going to battle with uh so like a like on a team thing yeah team match play event yeah who's your guy um is if i want to win or have fun (laughs) <laughs> there's a big purse on the line <laughs> uh right now 
would be Rory. I think he's the best player in the world. Um, when he's going, I don't think anyone can beat him. Even like Brooks and Dustin, as good as they are, in which they, I'm not taking anything away from their games, but Justin Thomas. But when Rory's flowing, it's he is he's on a different level. I really think that he hits it so hard and so straight. And when his putter is going, he's pretty much unstoppable. So that's who I take. But if I wanted to have fun, it'd probably be either Andres Gonzalez or Cold Nose is my partner. Nice. Uh, I want to ask uh, your foundation with uh, Graham and Ruby uh, Delight Foundation. Uh, obviously, folks on health and wellness of children. Uh, you want to just touch on that for us a bit? Yeah, that's been nice, man. Like, uh, you know, when I'm lucky enough that we kind of have uh, a platform that we're able to help people out. And uh, we started before we actually had our foundation. We had a a couple of very successful events down in Weyburn uh, fundraisers that at that time went to the uh, to build a new hospital there. Um, then we kind of shifted up to Saskatoon and we were up there and we did it for Saskatchewan junior golf. And then, uh, for the children's hospital in, in Saskatoon, a couple of times, make a wish or children's wish, um, Ronald McDonald house. And then, uh, last year we moved down here and we changed a little bit of our philosophy or, um, to, instead of, um, you know, helping with children's physical health, more to the mental health sides, we just feel like that's just very overlooked and there's such a stigma still related to mental health. It's, it's definitely um, moving in the right direction, but there's just so many children who are dealing with, um, you know, so many different things that uh, you can't see on the surface, but they're really struggling inside. So for sure, that's kind of what we've moved on to here now. And uh, last year we did actually did our event down in Boise and we're planning for that again, this year up kind of in the mountains north of Boise in a place called McCall. It's a beautiful like ski town in the winter and uh, mountain lake town in the summer. And uh, they got a, like a really high end golf course. We're going to try to do something a little bit different this year, which is um, like do like a really, really high end type of function and just kind of see how that works. But uh, it's been super rewarding. My wife deserves the majority of the credit. Um, she's kind of the, unsung hero kind of behind that's doing all the work and you know i kind of just show up as much as anything and uh, try to make sure that people have fun and uh we raise some good money but uh it's been it's been a great um thing for us especially in the last couple years when i've been out um that gives us something to focus on and work towards and you know be proud of and hopefully we can touch a lot of children's lives and make make their lives better even if it's just one or two kids it's really worth it that's awesome, man. Um, I wanted to ask one more question here before we move on to the questions from the gallery. Um, any last message you could tell a young junior or amateur that thinks they have the talent or, or, or not to make it? I mean, how hard is it grind and, and what's some advice you could give them? Uh, the one thing that I see a lot is uh, kids who go to like big schools um, and then they end up not playing and the, the I think one of the big things, like I said, I didn't really know where I was going to fall. And I came down here and I won freshman of the year in our conference my first year. And that really propelled my career. If I would have went to Oklahoma State or University of Florida or Georgia or whatever it was, not that I was recruited by them. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but if I had, you know, you don't play your freshman year, maybe at all. And then you lose confidence. And then all of a sudden you're kind of just like a fourth or fifth player on the team. And you get your degree and you kind of move on, which is great. It's fine. But if you want to be a professional golfer, you have to be playing. Like that's the biggest thing. That's how you learn how to compete and how to take your game to the next level. And you see other how other players do. And you kind of learn from them and you pick their brain. You can't do that if you're at home and the other top five guys in your team are traveling. So from a, a standpoint of like kids chasing scholarships, that's that's one of the biggest things is just go to a place where you can play good weather that you can just play for sure Alrighty, uh some questions from the gallery here for you um All right. who would be your non-golfer foursome anyone you could pick just because it's never happened it would be my wife my son and my daughter right now that's awesome nice uh chris carly from carnda saskatchewan who on the pga gets a bad rap but is actually a really good guy and if you say patrick reed you've lost a fan <laughs> it's not him but trust me um who gets a bad rap that's a good guy i man 
name a couple guys that you think have bad reps out there. Like Kiz? Is Kiz a bad bad rep? Oh, Kiz is the best, man. There it is. He yeah, <laughs> everyone loves Kiz. Um, who do you hang out with most on tour? Well, I hang out with a lot of the Canadians. Uh, we go out for supper a lot together. David Hearn and Nick Taylor, uh, Hadwin. Uh, I kind of like Mackenzie and Corey Connors were kind of just coming up right when, before I got hurt. So I didn't really, I don't really know them all that well. Mackenzie a little better than Corey. Um, but then, you know, Chez, Kevin Chappell, all like the Whisper Rock guys, we get along really well. Colt, Andres Gonzalez, good buddy of mine um i don't know it's hard i i get along really with with pretty much everyone out there um it's kind of uh everyone gets along it's like i always explain it like if you have if you work at a place that has 150 employees which basically there's 150 guys on tour just say yeah 10 of them are goofballs 10 of them you don't ever want to even talk to 10 of them are your best buddies 10 of them you know it's it's kind of like clicky and uh and then 100 of them are just average people you know uh favorite beverage after a round bard right on perfect <laughs> very bard yeah free app. no question <laughs> uh, my golf course here in boise we just go through it like every single person we just crush bard it's it's the best <laughs> nice that's awesome uh biggest money match you've played in uh wins losses yeah um I don't play in like, I always play for money because I'm not playing for something. I get bored, but uh, the probably the most I've ever lost is 1500 bucks and I probably have won about like 1800 or something, but that's rare. Usually it's like between 50 and 300 bucks is kind of like an average win or loss. That's about the money that I normally play for. Uh, this is a good question. How many golf balls do you carry in your bag for a round? If I have three sleeves, I'm usually pretty good. If I had eight balls, I'd always throw in. I would never no, less than nine. That'd be the answer. Okay. Uh, what sports do you get at besides golf? Um, none, man. That's why I'm a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I played every sport kind of growing up or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I don't excel at anything. That's for sure. Maybe ping pong. <laughs> uh this is a good one uh jeff mentioned uh what is the wayburn lie the wayburn lie oh <laughs> we play well it's 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 just a bad lie if you get so we used to play because every once in a while when 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 jules was caddying for me and it was like i would you know hit a perfect tee shot you get right down the middle and all of a sudden you just have this horrendous lie and he would and you know instead of like just accepting it, I would, you know, I went through the stage where I was like, oh, my God, what a fucking joke. He hit this perfect drink down the middle. <laughs> and anyways, he's like, dude, he's like, you grew up in Wayburn. He's like, this is the Wayburn lie. Come on, buddy. Let's, let's figure it out. So now if I, if I get a bad lie or whatever in the fairway, that's just what we call it. No disrespect to the Wayburn Golf Club. It's where I learned to play, and it's got a special place in my heart. But um, it's not manicured like a tour golf course is by any means. So uh, anything else you want to touch on there, Graham? No, man, just uh, thanks for having me on and good luck with your podcast and everything and uh, keep plugging away and I hope everyone's safe out there, man. It's Stay at home. It's crazy to see all these people that still aren't really listening and it's yeah, scary, man. It is for sure. Well, I appreciate it, Graham and uh, I hope we talk soon. Hi, this is Action Sewer and Drain. Toilet paper is hard to come by these days, so are paper towels and wipes. But if you have them, trust us, paper towels, sanitary wipes, they should not be flushed. It causes a ton of problems for you and costs you money that you don't need to spend. Action Sewer and Drain is still open as an essential service, and being in the sewer business, you can trust we always adhere to sanitary protocols. Action Sewer and Drain, a Consumer's Choice Award winner, four years in a row. Call us at 306-586-2727. There it is, the interview with Graeme Dillette. Really good interview. Wow, I had a blast uh, recording that with him. Uh, just under an hour on the phone with him. Um, you know, I talked him off the record. He didn't say no to coming back on again, so that's a good sign. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we talked about where uh, how, how we got into the game, um, you know, playing hockey and playing uh, golf and 
playing around here in Saskatchewan and then playing uh, in the professional level, playing in the Olympics, uh, President's Cup talk. Unbelievable. You know, he's a great dude. He's unreal time. Um, moving forward, if you guys want, I'm going to start uh, giving some little bit of teasers out who's coming on the podcast next. And maybe whether it's a photo or whatever, on the Facebook page at uh, Off the Hosel and on the Twitter page underscore Off the Hosel, you want to send it in on uh, DM or uh, or fire it our way. Maybe we'll tell you who it might be, because with my new segment called Questions from the Gallery that I launched, I think in episode three or four, it's really a really fun way to get the guests interacting a little bit more and more comfortable outside their comfort zone. Um, and I think they enjoy it too. Get some thinking about other things than, uh, you know, just uh, serious golf talk. So reminder, check out the Facebook page at off the hosel, the Twitter page underscore off the hosel, uh, DM us, like us, comment. Who do you want to see next on the podcast off the hosel? We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great, great day. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.